Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the PS Lifestyle Wellness Podcast, Wellness in Your World. PS Lifestyle Wellness is an exciting and visionary project breaking new ground within the wellness industry and it combines our resource-efficient wellness club with our online wellness programmes. So whilst our design and build move forward, we bring you the PS five areas of wellness online. Conversations about real wellness, no fads, no events. We cleared fog that can make wellness seem so confusing and intimidating. So, if you're into facts, credibility, expertise, and a bit of humour, stay tuned for some wellness in your world. I'm Lindsay McKenzie. I'm Pamela Griffin, and together we are co-founders of PS Lifestyle Wellness. And we are thrilled to welcome spa consultant extraordinaire, Kathy McCormack, to the Wellness in Your World podcast. With an impressive um, expertise in the spa and wellness industry spanning more than 25 years, a decade of which was spent operating and managing spas in Asia Pacific region, Kirsty has a plethora of experience and skills from operations and management, financial and budget prep, employee development and motivation, as well as the love and knowledge of spa and wellness from a hands-on perspective. As director of spa, Kirsty has managed some of the world's most renowned and outstanding spas, including Mandarin Oriental in Beijing and Tokyo, and the Old Course at St Andrews in Scotland. She's also a very successful businesswoman and entrepreneur in her own right, founding and owning a thriving and award-winning nail and beauty therapy company in Edinburgh. Now, on here it now says a pause, a pause, a pause. So I think that now. <laughs> We can actually add to that list as of today as well. It's very exciting that we can announce that Kirsty um, has agreed to join the PS team, which we are absolutely thrilled about, um, and also become one of our advisors on our board. So you can add that to your impressive list of uh, uh, on your CV there, Kirsty. So thank you for joining us today. No, thank you. It's lovely to be on board. <laughs> well, it's great. I mean, we've known each other, Kirsty, for, for quite a few years through the industry and it's we just have. to be able to, <clears throat> to work with people who uh, are very like-minded and that's what PS is all about. So we're, we're thrilled that you're able to join us. And you've just moved back to Edinburgh. My goodness, wonderful to be home. <laughs> I just can't keep a smile off my face. I think that's, you know, my, my dad used to always say that, get back to Bonnie Scotland, come on. You know, he, he just uh, loved it here and it is lovely to be back home as well. It, it makes me smile. Good. Oh, that, that's great. I mean, you know, we in, in the sort of preamble there, obviously we mentioned quite a few places around the world that you've worked and, mm. um, you know, tell us a bit more about that. What next, what a career you've had so far. It's fabulous. And really it's all just kind of happened organically. It wasn't really something that I went out to look for. I started my career as a therapist when I was 17 years old. First job with Clarence in Jenner's, you know, very iconic Jenner's in, in Princess Street. Absolutely loved it, what an amazing training. And from there, I've almost just fallen into or met some incredible people within the industry who put me forward for jobs, that have headhunted me for jobs. I worked for Champneys for a while, Joe Parker, again, one of my mentors, um, you know, fantastic boss, you know, at Champneys. And then at um, Mandarin Oriental, what a company, first company that I'd ever sat with that told me what they were going to be doing in spa in five years time. Spa was an actual cornerstone of the whole um, 
um, you know, uh, hotel uh, focus and strategy. I'd never heard of that before. You know, that they actually use spa to bring a certain type of guest into the hotel. So that understanding, you know, I, I came, I went almost from London in Chapney's Tring to Tokyo. I mean, what, what a difference, you know, and a culture shock. Um, I think management style from, you know, culture shock, absolutely, but definitely a different management style as well. And I think it, traveling so many countries, I think it makes you, um, you know, you, you have to really think about, you know, the, the type of people that you're managing and you have to be flexible in your management style and not just go in and say, this is the way that I do things. You know, you, you're not going to get things done. So, so interesting um, and working with such amazing budgets and spas. I mean, Mandarin Tokyo, I think still to this day is probably one of the best spas in the world. I mean, what it's in the top. It so good? Kirsty, sorry to interrupt. What makes it so good? Well, normally spas are built in the basement, aren't they? <laughs> they've got no windows, they've got no light. And English Schwader, who was my boss at the time in Mandarin Oriental, was such a visionary and still is to this day within spa and wellness that he really pushed forward um, with his thinking and, and, and you know, the, the concepts that he wanted to, to bring forward. And he pushed forward that Mandarin Tokyo would have its spa on the 37th and 38th floors of the Mitsukoshi building within the middle of Ginza. Now, normally on the top of the, the hotel, you would have a presidential suite, the most expensive suite in the hotel, but they didn't, they had the spa. So you can imagine that you would have saunas, vitality pools, treatment rooms that had corner views across the city. And a city that where space is, you know, you're, you're really fighting for space. Everything is built on top of each other. So you had this feeling of space on the top of the building. So absolutely amazing. But I mean, also Japanese therapists are absolutely unbelievable. I mean, it's the first spa that I've ever ran that I would go in at seven o'clock in the morning and all the therapists are in the treatment rooms practicing. Wow. And you didn't even have to tell them, you know, that that's unbelievable. That that work ethic is is just um, second to none. So the, the delivery of the treatments, the training, the, the spec on the property, the, the service, the Japanese service, I think even in your local little noodle bar is five star. So getting a five star hotel with that, you know, um, level of product and delivering that kind of service is just unbelievable. And um, we would have a lot of guests that would actually end up in tears. You know, they, they just had such an amazing experience there. Wow. Expensive, but amazing. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I think we were saving about probably 500 pounds a massage um, and that was 15 years ago. So, yeah, but it, quite an amazing experience. And then obviously working through um, to Mandarin Oriental Beijing, which was another iconic project. Um, I spent the, it was the year before the Olympics in Beijing. So you can imagine what was happening. There was um, development happening. The, all the taxi drivers were trying to practice their English on us, you know, as well as before they weren't bothered. The, the, just the buzz and the excitement around the city. So that was, was such an amazing time. And starting off in a pre-opening team in Mandarin Beijing, there was actually only seven of us. So general manager, sales and marketing, F&B rooms. So starting off something that's so small in these very basic offices to, to building something that, that's quite iconic. And following on from there, I ended up going back to work for Ingo Schwader. He was working then as CEO of Spatality. And that's really where I learned how to do 
projects before the pre-opening. So to do more space planning and to do more development work, um, really, really interesting. So we opened and developed a lot of spas um, when I was at Spatality for two years. Um, from India to um, Guam and Saipan, we were doing things in Vegas, we were doing things in Thailand, we were just all over the place. So 80%, I would say, on the road, um, traveling, which was so exciting at the time. Yeah. Don't know if I could do it now, but it was, <laughs> it was amazing, getting flights at five in the morning and then going straight to meetings and, you know, that, that kind of thing. But so exciting, some of the projects that we were working on. And from there, I was um, then approached about working for a company called Onyx Hospitality. It was a new umbrella company that had started. Um, they actually owned Onyx, uh, they owned Amari Hotels and Resorts, which is quite a famous um, chain of hotels within Thailand, Asia Pacific and I developed two spa brands for them during my time there and I was there for two years a four-star brand and a five-star brand which are still getting rolled out today so that's also nice that we developed something from the small tiles to the uniforms to the design to you know the, what the beds were going to look like to the you know the absolutely everything within the spa product we did a private label product um for the for the um brand as well and that's still getting rolled out today last time i was in thailand i went to meet um the team who'd working in the Koh Samui property and they were so excited to meet me because i had developed the spa and it was just so cute they were still in the uniforms that we designed and the menu was still the same design you know it's just lovely to see that continuing and those spas are all over the world now they're in sri lanka they're in doha they're, there's more coming in malaysia I think there's some in china now there's some in india so so really nice to see that being rolled out and then from there i actually came home so i decided that 10 years in asia was more than enough my i told my parents i would do four and i did 10. and i think the more that you're away the more you feel that you get further away from family and friends and it was just really time for me to to come home even though i had such an amazing lifestyle and i remember saying to friends this is the dream lifestyle you know living in thailand living in bangkok at the time traveling the world was really a dream lifestyle but you do miss people you know and you miss your home and you miss your roots and I miss Scotland so decided to come home and since then I've done various roles I've worked for product companies I have worked in projects I have worked as director of spa I have started my own company within Edinburgh and um back to Edinburgh now so I've been in London for the last four years so lovely to be back home and basically doing what I love. And I think that's that's the part of my job now is that, you know, you get to work with so many amazing people and you get to kind of choose a little bit who you work with as well, which is amazing because I've had this conversation with so many people recently that, you know, we just want to work with people that really inspire you, that you really like to work with and that really are like-minded. And I think that's so important, you know, for your own well-being as well, that you're aligned with the company. You know, I've worked for some amazing companies, but I have to say they're not all amazing. <laughs> they don't all treat their staff well. They don't all, you know, they don't they don't run companies sometimes the way they should be. And sometimes, you know, you you need to be aligned with that, or or you're going to have issues within that company. 
um, and it's not good for your wellness. You know, and I think I think that that's that's really important as well. That you need to, you need that excitement and being inspired in your work as well. And I'm almost at a point now where it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. And I think when it doesn't feel like work, that's amazing because you get up every day, you get to do something that's that's um, you know amazing and get paid for it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Really? Is that what happens? I, I, nobody's told that. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Tell us about the nail yard, Kirsty, because obviously yeah. while you've been travelling the world and opening spas and all that, you've you've got a business um, right here in Edinburgh as well. Sure, yeah. So the nail yard was started six years ago and it was a little bit of a dream of mine to come back and to open up a brand and something similar to what I'd seen out in Asia. And I, and I think the difference really for me is that People save up here to go for a massage or a facial, and it's a way of life over there. So you'd, we'd be walking down the street, you know, with some girlfriends. We've had lunch, we've had coffee, or we've had a couple of wines. You go and have a foot massage. That's what. Well, that's the norm, you know. And you feel amazing after that. You wouldn't actually, you know, go out and book it or look forward to it. It's just part of your your you know, it's part of your week or it's part of your, your month that you would do something like that. And I wanted to take, bring something that would be affordable, that would bring a little bit of well-being um, to um, High Street, really, and that people could, you know, just pop in. And first of all, I was thinking, let's do foot massage, let's maybe do, you know, let's do, um, you know, maybe back massage, shoulder massage, let's do something like that that's a little bit more affordable. There's a brand in uh, America that did really well with it, Massage Envy. You know, oh, they yeah. brought massage to the high street, made it very affordable. It was more a membership, you know, you paid a certain amount every month and then you could have a couple of massages. But really when I did the, the market research, it's so important to do your market research, obviously when you're starting a new business, but really what I saw or what I figured out is that Scotland wasn't quite ready to do massage on a regular basis. It was still thought of as a luxury. And the only treatment really, or one of the very few treatments that from 10 year olds to 90 year olds is, is nails. So we thought if we could develop a nail treatment that had a little bit more well-being and a little bit more massage and, you know, it was it was a quality and it was authentic and, you know, we we're using amazing products, then we could bring that to the high street. And that's really what the, what the nail yard was all about. So um, we have um, fully trained therapists in there doing nail treatments, not just nail tech. So there is a, a quite a bit of massage in it. The whole concept was about making it eco-friendly. So we tried to find the best brands possible with the least amount of chemicals. Sterilization was really important that we would pre-pack and sterilize all the implements and that would be opened in front of the, the guest. And the design actually of the spa as well, or of the, the, the nail salon, is it's all reclaimed wood, it's metal, so it actually looks like a yard and it's got a lot of flowers in it as well. And our therapist uh, wear dungarees and converse. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, a, a little bit unique. Um, and it's it's a lovely, lovely salon. You know, we've got, it's in Morningside, we've got a lot of regular um, um, customers that, that come to us. Unfortunately, we've been closed. Yeah. We're hoping to reopen at the end of April, but um, yeah, we'll we'll get that back up and running again. Shamelessly plug it, Kirsty. Give us the full address so people can look you up. <gasps> really? Can I? Yeah. Of course you can. <laughs> Thirty-eight Morningside Road, um, and we would love to see you all there once we reopen. 
and the Neil the Yard.com is yes, absolutely. You can book online. Before um Christmas last year, Christy very kindly um take my niece who is in the process of finishing her application for Edinburgh College for beauty therapy just to go in and have a little look around and, and, and kind of get an idea of what, what a living and working spa salon actually looks like so thank you for letting us do that Christy that was really good. You're very welcome. I think it's, that's it's, what it's all about isn't it? It's about it's, getting the next generation of therapists giving them as much uh, knowledge and information as possible. Yeah. I'm, I don't know what to say after all of that, Lindsay. Can no, yeah, can I <laughs> stop now? Just, <laughs> that's it, done. Thanks. What have I been doing for the last 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, joking aside. I'm, I'm feeling tired. Yeah, well, that's why, that's why, we, that's why you've come home. Um, joking aside, though, I mean, I, I've done a bit of travelling for work myself, so I, I do know, I do understand you get to that point where it all you don't want to lose the shine of what you've done and how it's been and, and you just know when the time is right um so so we're delighted that you've decided to come back because you're part of our team now which is great um so it's something that, that Lindsay and i are really passionate about with ps is is doing something that's very different and and you've kind of touched on it a couple of times kirsty when you've mentioned that you know, you did your own research for the nail yard and, and Scotland wasn't quite ready for, you know, the, the concepts you had in your head. And, you know, what's really interesting is that, you know, we want to really kind of break the mould of how wellness is is delivered and viewed in the UK, not just in Scotland. Um, so having you on board and having the experience you've got of being in countries where, you know, wellness is really elevated, you know, the fact that the treatment rooms are in the basement, they're up on the 34th floor, you know, that's, that's something that Wednesday and I have talked about so what, what really are the, the kind of differences in how wellness is done in the UK versus the rest of the world? What are your kind of observations of that? I think it's more the culture and I think um, certainly in Asia, I think um, they're brought up with it. So from the food to um, doing self-care rituals, you know, from Ayurvedic, you know, doing Indian head massage where the grandmother does the grandchildren's hair, you know, to, massaging oil into it. It's done in the home and it's done from a very early age. Traditional Chinese medicine, exactly the same. It's, it's you know, very, very common just to go for some herbs or go to a Chinese doctor to, um, to prescribe something. It's also a lot about prevention. So they don't wait till they're sick. They are always on, you know, looking how they can, you know, prevent, they go for uh, consultations all the time, you know, making sure that everything's working. They do exercise, but they're also very much into their family. They're very much into the community, which I think is a big part of wellness. And I think my view of wellness has probably changed over the years because of that. You know, I think, um, we all thought it was pounding the treadmill or doing a hundred sun salutations every morning or starving ourselves and just eating certain type of food. And then I think we realized that there's so many other parts to that well-being or wellness and that's social and it's being happy at your work and it's spending time with your family and it's that love and that understanding and all of that together with you know, being healthy and doing, I think, things that make you happy, make you smile. 
you know, rather than pounding the treadmill, I'd rather go and walk my dog and have a conversation with her for, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes rather than, you know, having headphones on. I think it's just finding your own um, part of wellness that's, that's, or your own way in wellness that's, that's important. I think that's the biggest difference overseas, certainly in Asia, is that they are definitely brought up with it. They, they don't think anything of going for a treatment. That would be quite normal to have a Thai massage. It's also very accessible. It's not expensive. It can be expensive. You know, we talked about Mandarin Tokyo being 500 pounds. That's obviously a luxury, you know, um, way to have a massage. But there's also probably my favorite massage in Bangkok is uh, on Sukhumvitsoi 8. And it was a little therapist, or not little, but a, a therapist who was a medical Thai masseur who couldn't speak any English, but would give me half an hour of sometimes hell, but the most amazing Thai massage you've probably ever had. And I think it cost 20 pounds for an hour and a half. It's accessible, you know, so if you make something accessible and it's built into the culture, and that means that everybody can experience it. So it's not just the wealthy or the people that can afford it, it's it's really everybody. And I, I think that's quite important as well. Or that's probably the biggest difference. I mean, if you think about now, when was the last time that we, well, because of the closure, but even before closure, when would be the last time that you'd actually go and have a massage or have a have a facial? Well, I, I get my massage from Lindsay. I, I, I'm good with I'm good at that because I I couldn't move basically if Lindsay didn't do yeah. massage on me. But I know what you mean. It's 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 the treat part of treatment that people yeah. kind of focus on. Um, that it is a treat, and you know you go maybe once, yeah, and and that's you for the for the year kind of thing. And, and so mm. you're right, it's about I think a lot of it as well is to do with the language that's used. Um, and the stature that, that that the industry is given in society. So, you know, recently in the first lockdown, you know, all the, the language that was being used at, at Westminster and places like that to, to you know, to, to call us massage parlors and to call us yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And beauticians and yeah. Beauticians and yeah, and, and all that kind of, and, and people just not understanding what, what you know certainly the probably more the spa and massage part of, of the the industry is about and uh, how do we change that what do we do what do we do we educate people do we shout at the rooftops but there's there's change happening in government we have now certainly in england at westminster been recognized as an industry which is great because we weren't before um so you know how do we change people's mindset I think it is education. I think if you think about our probably childhood, if we're, when were we taught about wellness or going for treatments or facials, whereas that's a big difference in Asia is that, you know, children are brought up with this from a very early age and that's education. So that's education from the home, in the schools. You know, if you look at what um, Japanese children get to eat in, you know, in school, I mean, it's super healthy they're taught at very early age whereas our, our you know children in this country are not taught that so I, I think it needs to start there it needs to start as that education piece of wellness is well-being is going to be a part of you know such a big part of our lives we can't suddenly change at 18 and 20 and start thinking a different way to the last 18 years you know you're almost we're having to educate ourselves I think in it and I think probably all all of us have had to do that 
and we've done that we've been lucky to be in this industry but what about people that are not in this industry you know you know what what to eat what to and you know how how do you actually get to that point where where you know um and well-being can be quite expensive sometimes you know if you want to re eat really good food or eat organic it, it can be quite expensive so people will always maybe or not always but sometimes there'll be there'll be a choice there to maybe take cheaper options again it's making it accessible to everybody and not just to a certain level of person who can afford to do it i think as well the pandemic has, has shown us that a couple of things really that you know you going out and walking your dog is your wellness brilliant you can go and you can do that yeah um, also just again sort of going back to the industry in the uk and and how it's perceived um for example at the moment lindsay as a remedial massage therapist is not allowed to practice However, and this this is certainly no nothing against chiropractors and, and physiotherapists, but they they are allowed to, you know. And 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 I would love to understand, Lindsay. Do you know what this, what what the science? That yeah, it's it's not nothing to do with science. It's to do with the fact that as a massage therapist, regardless of whether you are Swedish or um, massage therapist or aromatherapy or sports and remedial, um, we are state registered. So you'll see chiropractors, physiotherapists, state registered um, organisations like the HCPC, which are um, is what paramedics are also state registered as. Um, because in this day and age, you can still go and do a week's worth of massage training and self massage therapist. Yeah, that's complimentary. So that's a little bit seen as a little bit woo woo. Um, but we don't, we haven't, it's, it's down, it's just down to, to, yes, state registered. So we need to put that on our next list of things to do. <laughs> yeah, make sure that remedial um, and sports massage therapists are state registered because, you know, they, I mean, joking aside, you know, the pain that I, that I get having a massage, and, and Lindsay's been putting loads of, you've been putting loads of sort of short videos on our, our YouTube page and our Facebook page and LinkedIn because you you know that there are people at home at the moment. My partner's one of them who can hardly move because, you know, they're sitting at desks, yeah. desks and you've had an amazing reaction to that. Yeah, you? yeah, it's been, it's, it's been surprising, um, but not surprising. I think that's probably the industry as a whole though, isn't it? It's so, the, the range of qualifications goes from a two-day nail tech course to a four-year, you know, advanced therapist level. You know, the, the, the range of that is just phenomenal. And I think there's a lack of understanding there as well of what the difference of, of that is. As you say, you can do a week's worth of massage, but then what's different to somebody doing four years of massage? No. You know, you're studying, the, the level's amazing. And it was a much easier, I think, or much simpler when I trained. And I trained 30, God, I don't want to show my age here now, but I think it was about 34 years ago as a therapist. And there was only two qualifications really available. There was um, Sodesco and there was City and Guilds. And that, that was what you could choose between. City and Guilds was, was obviously a, a paid course. Um, the likes of Mary Reed. School of Beauty and one year course was minimum and the City and Girls were two years 
And that's the only way you could get to be a beauty therapist at that time was to do either of those courses. So both of them really quite comprehensive. I think now the, the, to, to allow the more people to apply, you know, the, the qualifications and the entry has changed. But I think that's something the industry are trying to, to change yeah. back again. There needs to be some level of regulation. Um, you know, yeah. a minimum period of time. Um, and the organisation who's providing the trainings to have X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But there's also so much demand. I mean, all of the spas that I've worked in in this country do not have enough therapists. They cannot get enough qualified therapists or the level of therapists that they need. And they're always having to supplement with freelance therapists who are working maybe in six different spas. You know, so you're not going to get that. Um, it's not just about loyalty, but that person who's working for you all the time, who knows your SOPs, who knows exactly how to deliver the service. So that's a big challenge, I think, as well. Yeah. Is that because you think there's there's a drop in interest in this in the industry? Most people I, don't, don't want to be therapists because I think I think there probably is. I think there probably is, and I think it's because again, there's maybe you know when we did beauty therapy, you know, I think it was still really looked upon as a really great career to go into and look what we've done with it but you know um it's hard work it's really really hard work i mean now you know you 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 do five massages day max sometimes four i mean we were doing eight you know at that time but you know we didn't know any different that was just our column you know we went in and did it it's really hard work and you you know sometimes you were shattered at the end of the day sometimes i'm talking and i know i've been talking too much but you know you're you're taking on a lot from 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 each guest or client you know and you're absorbing that sometimes they're really down it's a lot of negative energy you really i remember times having to go home and lie on a bed you know just shattered um and a lot of people don't want to do that they don't want to do that challenging difficult part of it i think the shame but isn't it yeah. It is the same. There's an element, I think, as well, probably the beauty side of it, that think that it's not much of a career option, you know. It, you know Absolutely. And with hairdressers, okay, you're a bit stupid to become a hairdresser. It's terrible that those sort of, yeah. that's the perception that people have. You know, it's hugely highly skilled. I mean, I asked my massage training only about six, seven years ago, and mm. Amount of anatomy and physiology that I had to learn—it's incredible, you know. It—it's—it it really yeah. is, and so it's—it's it's changing people's perception that going into, you know, beauty or spa or wellness or whatever is, is some sort of easy option or yeah. much of a career at the end of it. What, what are you ever going to do with that? Or you know, well, you failed all your exams, go to beauty school kind of thing, and it's just not the. Yeah. But no. I think on the other side, I think a lot of parents maybe don't want their kids to do beauty therapy because it's not the career they want for them. They want them to be, you know, doctors and lawyers yes. and so on. But no, yeah, look at the career that you've had, Kirsty. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. Exactly. But this is the thing that people don't understand. And and I've, I've had this conversation with with college leaders and tutors and things about the use of the word beauty. At all, if we dropped that. And just talked about therapy that just yeah. it up completely now and i'm not trying to say that by doing nails and brows and things like that it, it's not important it, it is people's mental health it can you know it, it's amazing what 
what a little bit of aesthetic work on you can actually do for your mental health but it's almost like that word beauty automatically go right okay then you know and and you're not taken very seriously and Mm. there was was a brilliant article that somebody wrote um back in july june of last year when we were we were trying so hard to get the industry back open you know um and i think i think there's an element of you know so many females working in this industry as well there's a lot of bias out there about what we actually do there was a wonderful article that a a lady wrote and you know she, she said you know that it's it's about getting people back to work for the mental and physical health of the nation mm-hmm. supporting women most of you know a lot of the businesses in our industry are, are women-led you know and, and it's almost like um the last kind of taboo that you're just not letting us work and you're just not understanding the, the revenue that we generate and the the wellness that we put out there to the the wider population um i'll try and find that article and we can maybe put the, the link to it in the blurb for the yeah that would be good it's a really really interesting one and it and it did it kind of struck me last year when when the industry was shut and we were campaigning to get it open that barber shops were allowed to do beard trims but exactly in scotland we can't do a facial treatment and it's just like it's it's yeah it's there's a lot of work to be done to to sort of re-educate and and refocus people's opinions and under it's more of an understanding really isn't it of, of what we do and there is a lot of good work going on out there but um, i was just going to say the same there's some amazing work going on and i think you know the people that are involved in the industry have had such a struggle to get where they've got to you know and i think it's got a long way to go you know and we, we just need to support them you know i mean lindsay and i've sat in meetings lindsay haven't we with you know we're going off on tangent a little bit here, but I quite like it. But we, we've sat in meetings, you know, talking about money and raising finance and all that kind of stuff. And generally, these meetings tend to be, especially if you're going into the banking sector with gentlemen of a certain age, or if you're speaking to lawyers very often, you know, it, it's it's the kind of, it's the male population that you're dealing with very often. And, and again, that kind of glaze that you get in the front of the eyes. Now, not not all of them, because we've got some great guys on our team as well who, who just get it. But it's really interesting that you you almost feel you're apologising for what you're doing. And then when you mention yeah. the amount of money that you're looking to raise, we've had people, men, physically take a step back from us and go, I don't think that's going to happen, pet. You know, and you're just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I think I think during my career I've learned how because I've been in lots of situations with general managers and so on who again will poo-hoo the spa a little bit a lot of the time because they don't understand it a lot of the time because they don't think it's that important you know and it's almost like an uphill struggle or you're almost trying to convince your own company that this is a good thing to do. And I was given a lot, of, a bit of advice, which was good advice, quite a long time ago. Is always talk to your audience. So don't sometimes, you know, you sometimes have to change the way that you're speaking. So if it's general manager, you go in with figures. Don't start talking about crystals and massage and whatever you know, <laughs> scents and smells because they're gonna glaze over. So go in there and talk his language because if you start talking his language, then he's gonna listen. So tell him how much money you're gonna make him. 
tell him what how many bedrooms you're going to fill for him tell him you know and and that was such good advice and that's what i try to do now is that i'm more than happy to talk about the fluffy stuff because i love it you know but at the same time um you know i know that i have to turn that round especially when we're dealing with finance and funding and you know raising capital and so on we need to stop talk business you know chat you know that they were talking about numbers and we're talking about return on investment and we're talking about you know how many years this is going to happen and that's what that's that will keep them engaged that that's my yeah. not always not always yeah. but, you know a lot of the time it's definitely um you know and it's researching who you're speaking to you know it's always going in and having you know what what do what do they like to do or you know i don't mean stalking i mean research <laughs> research people you're talking to and um you know find out so that you can actually maybe speak to them on a different level it's fun interesting actually striking statistic from the global wellness institute today um, 65% of beauty now link the beauty and wellness categories together and that completion of beauty with wellness is even higher for men at 75%. Wow, there you go. That's interesting. Yeah, men needing a bit of pampering. Yeah. And I think when you go in and you start talking, uh, me, because I'm a bit of a nerd, but I go in and I, and I talk a little bit more scientifically. Mm. You know, I do, and, and a bit like, you know, like you're saying, Christy, you know, if you go in with figures and statistics and you mm. say, stress causes however many percentage yeah. of ailments in men and you know that kind of thing um that always um, clicks up the ears um but yeah 75 percent there you go again i think covid has 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 helped has given the wellness industry a bit of a helping hand if mm. you if, if we're trying to find a positive and a negative with what's happened because wellness now is is you know really at the top of the agenda and you only you only have to everybody's so aware now of their their mental health and their physical yeah. um, and and you know i guess our 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 job now as an industry is to keep that momentum going and make sure that almost what you were saying at the beginning christy about you know in asia it's it's not reactionary it's very proactive as to mm -hmm. how we look after our health and and how we switch that in this country because i think I hate to say it, but I really think we've got a tidal wave of mental health issues coming our way, and yeah. that's that's where we need to start. And so, as an industry, we can really support, you know, the NHS, um, you know, and other practitioners to 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 be that kind of second line of of help. I guess that, yeah. that's certainly the way that that we see it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's always been about a sustainable way way of looking after your wellness. You know, so it's it's not just a one-off treat part of the treatment. It's yeah. a thing, you and Zig. Yeah, and about like you were saying, Kirsty, when you were um, in Beijing, you know, people actually use it as a prevention as opposed to a cure, mm. whereas it's very much the norm for you know people in, in the UK in particular to brush it aside, keep powering through and it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine until it manifests something into something far greater than it originally was and you find yourself in a situation where it's like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. 
And also I think the way that we spar needs to change a little bit. You know, I think um, people think that they can go to a spa for a few days and that's going to miraculously solve everything. And then you're going to come back and do the, whatever you've been doing the same. And, you know, that's, that's your well-being. And that, that's not, you know, it has to be lifestyle. And I think that's the big difference about, you know, when I worked in Asia, people really do think of a, as lifestyle. You know, if you look at the principles of Ayurvedic medicine or TCM, it is about lifestyle. You know, it's not about doing it once or twice. It's, it's something that is implemented into into your life. And we all know that to get true wellness or well-being, we, we have to change our lives or, you know, implement these things. It can be just little small things, can't it? You know, and the way we spa really is, is quite an old fashioned spa model almost. It's about going for a day spa. It's about drinking champagne with the girls. It's about having a two-course lunch. It's about having one treatment. It's about hanging out at the pool and then leaving. Really, <laughs> you know, you've just kind of outlined my idea of hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think we will see new spas, spas emerging, which I think you know is happening at the moment. You know, and some, uh, you know, you know, not going to talk about, but the, the other projects I'm working on as well. You know, it, I, I like to do things that have authenticity that have proven results even if it's you know saunas and steam and plunge pools and it's that thermal journey we don't teach people in this country how to do a thermal journey you know properly we do it and you know they do it in austria they do it in germany but we we don't actually do it here most people go into the sauna for five minutes they're out they're bored they're then going into a chlorine pool they're then out they're bored they then go back into the sauna you know with chlorine on their swimming costume they get the fumes from this the the chlorine and then you know that that's the well-being journey that's the thermal journey it's not actually really going to do that much to you you know you have to be taught how to do that properly before you're going to get that that you know that real effect from it and that, and that just goes back to that relationship yeah. you're talking about yeah you know if you look at baden baden or places like that you know that have that authenticity of that thermal you know journey or bathing you know you'll see that you do a sequence of you know different thermal temperature rooms and bathing to create different effects yeah that's a purpose isn't it and that's the point that you know at the moment in the uk and it doesn't have a purpose other than to have a jolly with your yeah. parents and drink some champagne and, and not all spas are the same no no they're not some some are doing amazing you know but i think just if you look at the kind of core of it you know of how we spa that's really how again we've been taught to spa or it's how the the industries you know or the the market has taught us how to spa yeah and that's that's exactly it we may have answered this question Kirsty, but just kind of very briefly what then about the opportunities sort of for wellness post-covid in Scotland you've obviously come back you're working on yeah fabulous projects and, and other projects so you know things are happening so what what excites you about the future I, I think because people are going to be looking at more um, true wellness and authenticity I, th I think people are understanding I think developers are understanding the need for that I think there's going to be a lot more nature and outside well-being which I think is amazing you know yeah I mean we heard about doctors prescribing walks in the Scottish countryside you know we're, we're in the right place to do this we've got so much nature so much water it's using all of that and I think that developers and owners are really going to start to look at that 
you know they 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 really um they they want they want to look outside the box now you know i think they want something different and they want to draw people and i think i think the the market's looking for something different as well you know yeah. i really do I, i think there's so much opportunity in this country we, to do. i don't know if we've mentioned this before in our podcast lindsay but um when when lockdown hit last year our architects to us that this is the best time to not have a building and and we you know and actually you know there's so much truth in that we again a lot of the concepts at PS that we were already working on um are are seem to be what what are coming through with the trends now so the things that you've mentioned water outside space being being apart but being together and those were all the things that we actually wanted to have at PS anyway so yeah. You know, we, certainly from our point of view, it's it it it's all we kind of um, solidified the, the the kind of plans that we yeah. want to know that this is this is the way that things are going. I'm just trying to be hugely positive about you know COVID giving us all these opportunities. We've got to try and find the good. I think so, and I think also you know spa in all seasons. You know, yeah. I I think we're we're scared to go outside in winter a lot of the time. You know, but it's sometimes the best way. If you go to China, everybody in China goes to hot springs in the winter to warm themselves because the water is scarily hot. Uh, sometimes the pools are about 42 degrees, but you go in there to warm yourself to your bones, and it does really work. You know, you do really feel like you're warm to the bones. You know, in Japan, they they spa outside in onsens in the winter as well. You know, you're surrounded by snow and you're in this warm bath outside. You know, we we need to re-educate ourselves on that because it's such an amazing experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, I'm excited now. I'm so glad. It's it's just really interesting to get your perspective on it from having mm. the experience that you've got. I almost feel like in the UK, you know, and it's not to diss everyone because there are people working very hard and there's some amazing spots yeah. and there are great things happening, but. I just yeah, there's there's a huge opportunity now to really kind of shake it up a little bit and and make it make it a lifestyle choice, a part of your lifestyle, sorry, rather than just a, a reactionary thing. Yeah, no, absolutely, an enjoyable, you know, social. You know, you can hang out with your friends, but you're still doing something that is really good for you. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely have champagne at PS. So don't, I don't want anyone thinking that we're not going to have <laughs> clean champagne. Clean champagne. Well, well, we talked about organic we'll, champagne. We'll have organic. Yeah, of course it will be. Of course. <laughs> very, very briefly, just to finish, then, Kirsty, what does wellness mean to you? My goodness, do you know? I think this has changed so much over the years. I kind of touched on this earlier that you know it used to be pounding the gym every morning and you know really being careful with diet, you know, and being so strict on myself. And um, I don't do any of that now. No, I do some of it, but um, you know, it's more for me about doing things that really make me smile, that make me happy hanging out with friends and family doing things for others i think that's really important you know you can get so much from that too uh, it's the love support the compassion it's being understanding um and really the biggest thing is is honestly that love friends and family you know it, it has to be it's it's the the mass the massive thing for me having a fulfilling career it used to be all the be on end all i think for me it's still really important for me but i want to do things that i really love doing you know and i think if you can get up every day that 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 kind of well-being is amazing i walk my dog a lot i do drink champagne 
<laughs> not every day, not every day. Um, I, <laughs> I eat healthy, but I'm also a little bit naughty with my food. You know, I don't deprive myself of anything. You know, I try and get, you know, out every day and do some exercise. I love yoga, I'm missing yoga classes. Um, going to try and get into more meditation. I've always struggled with it. Always, um, I can't keep my mind on anything for for very long. But um, you need to have a re listen to our podcast with um, meditation renowned, world renowned meditation. I know he's supposed Johnson. to be amazing. He's supposed yeah. to be absolutely amazing. Yes. I yes. have tried. I have tried. I've tried. I just, yeah. I just to my mind, my mind wanders. I'm really but bad. It's fine. It's okay for your mind to wander. Yeah. Well, there we go. Then there we go. Yeah, I I had the same problem, and we we, we talked to. Andrew's one of our practitioners that we're hugely grateful is, is working with us at PS and we did a podcast with him and I said exactly the same thing didn't I Wednesday? I said you know I was put off meditation because I'd been told in the past empty your mind and I, and I can't do that most people can you know because your brain doesn't allow you to do that and and he actually says in a lot of his guided meditations your mind will wander that's fine you'll hear noises outside that's fine but just bring it back when you can. You know, it's it's almost like, um, you know, it's not a heavy version of meditation that he does. It's very accessible. So you need you need to. Well, it's just clearing your mind and sit uncomfortably, which is what my kind of understanding of meditation is. You know, and then I start to get really, you know, you know, fidgety because I'm I'm squirming about the place. But um, yeah, I'll, de I'll definitely try it again. And probably the one other thing that I would say is well-being for me is being in Scotland and getting to go and visit the Outer Hebrides, which is definitely my happy place. There's one beach that I go to that's about five miles long and I walk over the top of that. And that is definitely um, the, the happy, happy place, I would say, if I could be anywhere. That's a nice, that's a nice way to end it then. Thank you, Kirsten. Yeah. You're welcome. Lindsay, have you got- So, as always, please like and share and comment and whatever else it is that the kids <laughs> Contact us for more information on creating bespoke online wellness programs for you and your employees to ensure that they remain motivated and engaged in your business. So find us at pswellnessedinburgh.com and Kirsty, thank you. You're very welcome. And join us next time for more wellness in the world. <laughs>